After a blowout win in game one, the Heat were expecting a tougher challenge from Atlanta in Tuesday's game two. And that's exactly what they got. But none of it mattered because Jimmy Butler scored a career playoff high 45 points, absolutely dominating his uh, Hawks all game long, saving the game with late game heroics to help Miami seal the 115 to 105 win as the Heat protect their home court. We'll break down the game and Jimmy's incredibly historic performance on today's white hot playoff episode of Locked on Heat. Are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Wednesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg, coming to you live from the FDX Arena. It's a great episode, breaking down Miami's big game to win. We'll talk about who gets credit, what adjustments the Hawks made, and much, much more. But Miami was expecting a much-improved version of Atlanta on Tuesday night, they looked sloppy. Of course, there a lot of the excuse-making machine filtering through the uh, the lack of rest for the Hawks. None of that mattered today. Of course, the Hawks had just as much rest as Miami did after Sunday's Game 1. And Trey Young was bouncing back from his eight-point outing. With the story of the game, though, was Jimmy Butler dropping 45 points, a new career playoff height, and carrying yeah. the heat from start to finish. The Hawks absolutely made a game of it, though. They were getting 25 points from Young to go along with a lot of foul baiting, some chippy behavior that never really went anywhere. But it was actually Bogdan Bogdanovich who kept the Hawks close. He blew up for 19 points in the fourth quarter after Miami had built a 16-point lead in the second half. It was Bogdanovich's hot shooter. He was unconscious in the fourth quarter that cut Miami's lead to three with a three-pointer with just three minutes left in the game. But there was Jimmy again putting the exclamation point on his dominating performance. A drive, drive through the lane for a dunk, hitting a three-pointer, his fourth of the night, and then a Eurostep layup. Seven consecutive points to help Miami close out the game on an 11-4 run, sealing the 115-105 victory to protect home court and gain a 2-0-0 lead over the Atlanta Hawks. West. you are and were at the arena for that incredible performance. What did you make of Jimmy's incredible night? This is the Jimmy Butler that the Heat need, right? If they're going to do what it is that they want to do, which is win a championship, they need Jimmy Butler to do this. Not necessarily 45 points every night, right. but be assertive. Be the main scorer. Uh, Jimmy Butler told us after the game hey, uh, that uh, P.J. Tucker and assistant coach Chris Quinn kind of took him aside after game one. It was a fine you know, fine performance, but nothing crazy, and said, hey, right. man, you need to be our scorer. You need to go out there and, and be aggressive. And he took that to heart, and he went out and did it. Now, we're going to get to a few different reasons why it was made a little bit easier for Jimmy Butler to do it tonight than it was in Game 1. And it might be a trend to continue to watch. But the biggest trend we need to watch is Jimmy Butler just doing this. Yeah, the three-point shot is kind of a headline. Four for seven. It pops off a back score when you look at that, uh, considering who Jimmy Butler is, which is not a three-point shooter. But right. he was incredibly efficient. He was incredibly... Uh, savvy at finding the mismatches and attacking the switches and just being a bully. I mean, how many times did we watch Jimmy Butler just 
put his shoulder into some poor Atlanta Hawk defender under the basket and go up for a layup and then yep. get to the free throw line. He went uh, 11 for 12 from the free throw line, which is much better than game one, too. So um, just a, a bubble-like performance from Jimmy Butler, but um, I think it was made possible by a lot of different factors. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. This was a very different win for Miami. After game one, again, a blowout. Miami controlled the pace early on. It wasn't a dominating performance from that team. I don't think it was necessarily a dominating win in game two either. It was just enough to get by. Again, they were down. They were just up three with about three minutes left. Yeah. But in game one, you had the all-around performances. You had Duncan Robinson step up. You had Kyle Lowry, P.J. Tucker, other players step up. That wasn't the night here. There were only three other players that scored in double digits. None of them more than 15. Tyler Hero had 15 points. Somewhat of a bounce back for him. But it was all Jimmy going to him for 25 field goal attempts. You mentioned the 12 free throw attempts to go along with five rebounds, five assists, and two steals. But just going to Jimmy when it was crucial, him taking over the game late in that stretch there was – yeah. We haven't seen that kind of performance since Dwayne Wade in his prime or even LeBron during the big three era. This was the Jimmy that we have not seen much of over the last three seasons, except when it mattered most in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it felt so much like LeBron, didn't it? I mean, it, yeah. it, it was it was Jimmy Butler playing in space. He scored 13 points in that third quarter where uh, Miami ended up taking a double-digit lead. And, like, the point you made, game one versus game two is a good one, right? Like, game one, it was very much an ensemble performance. I, right. We talked about the fact that the Miami's big three – of Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo led the team in plus-minus. Not the case tonight, right? Jimmy Butler led the, the Heat in plus-minus. The Heat outscored the Hawks by 19 points in Jimmy Butler's 39 minutes. Um, but Bam Adebayo was barely a factor in this game, and he yeah. was a minus one. Kyle Lowry was a plus 12, um, and he was you know second best on the team, but not lighting the, the Hawks on fire the way that I thought he would. And it was one of the things that we talked about going into this game is I thought this would be the Kyle Lowry game. Turned out it was the Jimmy Butler game. Um right. This series is ripe for Jimmy Butler to take it over. Atlanta's a finesse team. They don't have a lot of dudes that can that, that they could throw at Jimmy. Um, and he did it tonight, right? Like, this was just – what he said after the game was, you know, I was just hooping. I didn't realize if I was taking threes. I didn't realize what I was doing. I, like, I didn't think about that. I was just taking what the defense would give me. And Atlanta's defense tonight was giving him a whole bunch of a lot. <laughs> yeah. and, and, that, and that led to 45 points. Um, one key swing factor in this game, David. Yeah. With – uh, about a, two minutes left to go in the second quarter, right before halftime. Bam yeah. Adebayo picks up his third foul. And yeah. rather than go back to Dwayne Dedman, who was playing fine and had a nice game for Miami tonight, rather than go back this. to Dwayne Dedman, yeah. Spolstra goes with Caleb Martin for his first meaningful min minutes uh, in this series. Right. And P.J. Tucker at the five. And all of a sudden, the floor opens up for Jimmy Butler. It's Jimmy with P.J., with Caleb Martin, and at that point, it was Lowry, and I believe it was Tyler Max Hero, Struess, and then Max Struess right. um, soon after that. And so, and that was the the foundation of a lineup that the Heat used not only in that sec in those last two minutes to turn a one point deficit, but also into in the second half, yeah. going to halftime, but in that third quarter too. Within a, a minute and a half, basically in that third quarter, Bam picks up his fourth personal foul, right. and Spo right. goes with that lineup again. PJ Tucker at the five. And, and the Heat just go on a run. They don't trail for the rest of the game. That's it. Yeah. That's basically yeah. the game. I know that the Hawks kind of cut it uh, back late in the game, but that was essentially it. That was yeah. the turning point in the game. And it was just, it, it just was, obviously you never wish for Bam not to be in the game, but he's just not a floor spacer. He's not, he's not spotting up from three-point range. P.J. Tucker is very comfortable on the perimeter, setting screens, spotting up from the corner and all these things. And it was just so much room 
so much room for Jimmy Butler to just be like, all right, I want to get this guy on a switch. This, All right, Kyle, you come up. Tyler, you come up. Max, you come up. Get me your guy. And then I'm just going to dance on him. And I'm going right. to get to the lane. And I'm going to get to the basket. And I'm going to get to the free throw line over and over and over again. And the Hawks just had no answers for it. No. No, no, good point. Uh, you mentioned before, like, whichever Hawks defender had the inenviable task of trying to guard Jimmy Butler, it didn't really matter. It was kind of barbecue chicken either way, whether it was Kevin Herter or DeAndre Hunter or even John Collins on occasion, much less a Danilo Gallinari or Bogdanovich. None of them were getting in front of Jimmy Butler and limiting what he could do. He was aggressive. And with all that space, he had so much room to attack. And for Jimmy, a guy who's so good at going downhill, his strong suit, and being able to draw fouls, even if that shot wasn't falling. I mean, he did go 15 of 25, so it was really efficient, but not all of those shots fell. He was still able to get to the line 12 times. This is such a turnaround performance after, as you mentioned, a pretty good game one, just not a dominating performance. Right. This was the very best version of Jimmy Butler. But some other players stepped up as well, and we'll talk about them in the next segment because, of course, we'll have to give out our credit cookies to some other players that did help contribute to Miami's Game 2 win. But the big takeaway from that is the fact that Miami was able to close out a Game 2 win, protect home court, and go into Atlanta in Game 3 with a 2-0 lead in the series. But just also wanted to tell you a little bit about a sponsor of today's show, Shady Rays, an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of a $200 pair of sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes, something you won't find anywhere else. Shady Ray's Insane Protection Program. Shady Ray's includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you pay nothing. It's as simple as that. They're backed over by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews, and on top of that, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays for every pair that's bought exclusively for our listeners. Head to ShadyRays.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. All right, thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our panel of local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, David, I think, you know I what think time they'll be talking about. Yeah, I think they'll be talking about Jimmy Butler on Locked On Now. I have a, a, a funny suspicion <laughs> that he might be a topic of conversation, Ooh, but yes. Some inside it, information it, there. Um, <laughs> it, you know what time it is. It's time to get in the kitchen. It's time to whip up some credit cookies. Uh, you have the great task of deciding what cookies we are going to be handing out today. I wanted to go with the classic. You can't go wrong with chocolate chip. After Jimmy's okay. tremendous performance, I went with the classic, famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. A Ooh. specific brand to go that because this That's is my favorite chocolate is, chip cookie. It's the very best of Jimmy Butler. It's the very best of chocolate chip cookies. The classic. You can't go wrong. Famous Amos does everything that I. You know, it's just. True to the identity of this team and Jimmy Butler. I'm okay with the decision. Like I said, my favorite chocolate chip, my favorite box chocolate chip cookie is the famous Amos chocolate chip cookie. But I thought you were going to go with the triple chocolate chunk or something like that for all the no. threes that Jimmy Butler made. But no, it's fine. Famous Amos. Good, point. Good point. Good all point. Right. Uh, Jimmy Butler gets eight of these famous Amos cookies. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting eight of the ten that we have to give out here. Um, I, I think that's okay, considering that he scored 45 of Miami's 115 points. The, my bigger takeaway on Jimmy Butler, we talked about him for like the entire first segment, but 
the Heat should not have won this game, David. The Heat should not have won this game. All of yeah. the key indicators, nearly all of the key indicators, favored Atlanta. Atlanta got 87 shots on goal. Miami got 79. We talked about that going into the series. The possession game going to be really key for Atlanta. A whole lot of offense rebounds uh, by Atlanta's guards. Miami's guards were not boxing out all that well. Some of it was a little wonky, long rebounds and stuff like that. Uh, that ended up just going into Atlanta's hands. All those 50-50 balls. Spolster said at the at, in the press conference, he was like, more like 90-10 balls. And I was like, good joke, Spo. And, uh, <laughs> but that kind of gets to the point that he was trying to make. Uh, 43 point attempts by Atlanta. I don't know that you want to give up that many to a good three point shooting team like the Hawks if you're the Heat, but they did. Um, the offensive rebounding battle favored Atlanta. The turnovers for much of the first half yep. favored Atlanta, not so much in the second half. Um, and, and so you kind of, the points in the paint too. I mean, you looked at the fact that Atlanta started John Collins instead of Okongwu. And I tweeted this before the game, and I was like, yeah, this is like let Jimmy and Bam go to work, right? Like get into the paint. Miami only – like they ended up with 38 points in the paint, but I think it was only like 12 or something at halftime. And so – and the Hawks still ended up outscoring uh, the Heat in the paint, 46 to 38. Uh, second chance points, the Hawks, 18 to 7. Fast break points, the Heat got them there, 20 to 13. But for again, in the first half, that was favoring Atlanta. Just a lot of these key indicators – and the specific ones that we talked about, like danger battleground indicators favoring Atlanta. The only thing that did not favor Atlanta was Jimmy Butler hanging 45 <laughs> points on them. Jimmy Butler won the game for the Heat. And that's what yeah. you need. We talk all the time. Do the Heat have the number one guy? Do they have the star that can get them to a championship? This is what we're talking about. This is right. what those players do. When everything is going against you, when you should not win a game, can your dude just step up and be like, I don't care. I'm taking this one anyway. And that's what Jimmy did. Yeah, uh, very good point. Miami played ugly basketball for long stretches of the game. Like in the first quarter, they were absolutely outscored by Atlanta. Atlanta looked like they had all the momentum, all the energy. In the second quarter, Miami bounced back to some degree, but it wasn't exactly a dominating performance. They only outscored Atlanta by one. It was actually once Bam got into foul trouble. Again, this isn't indic indicative of Bam being a bad player or anything like that. I'm sure people will interpret it that way, but that wasn't the case. It was just Miami and that small ball lineup where they were actually able to play a different brand of basketball that maximized mm -hmm. what Jimmy can do. And that's when they started looking their very, very best. But then, eventually, the defensive issues came back without Bam, your defensive hub, without P.J. Tucker, who wound up getting into foul trouble late in the game, with Caleb Martin basically being ineffective for his minutes out there. Like, he played fine, but it wasn't exactly, again, a great performance from him. You needed to turn to your superstar You've got that in Jimmy Butler. This is the best version of Jimmy Butler. This is the one that we've seen from him since the Orlando bubble. This is as yeah. good a player as there is in the NBA. You're talking about your superstars. This is why Jimmy is a top 10 player in the NBA. We haven't seen it during the regular season. Well, guess what? Who cares? We don't need him for 82 games in, in, in February or November. We need him at this point in time. The Heat needed him to come through, and he absolutely did, especially in the fourth quarter. Two key pillars in this game before – I only got one more person to give the credit cookies to. But two – one more is. point. Um, it's pretty obvious. Um, th this game, despite all the indicators that I was talking about kind of going against Miami, there were yeah. two like key like two key pillars of Miami's path, best path to the NBA Finals were in this game. It was A, Jimmy Butler doing Jimmy right. Butler things. And the other thing was Miami's three-point shooting. 39% tonight from three-point range, 14 of 36. Uh, yep. That's the path, isn't it, David? Like, that's the path. Jimmy Butler 
being the the best player on the floor or close to it, uh, he was tonight against the Hawks. But you you like against guys like Embiid, Giannis, Durant, Jason Tatum, like whoever they might run into in the Eastern Conference, you need this version of Jimmy Butler. But you also need Miami's three point shooters sort of level the playing field, right? This is a Heat team that, by the way, was the best three point shooting team by percentage in the regular season. They need to carry that on in the postseason, and so far through two games, that's been the case. So when we talk about indicators. Two really strong indicators for Miami in this game. Um, I, well, I, I wanted to add, by the way, I just I don't think it's necessarily going to squash everything that we've heard over the last year. But can we put the Bryn Forbes comments and Jimmy's lackluster performance against Milwaukee in last year's playoffs to bed? Like, like can we just kill that and bury it and never talk about it again? Because I know you and I haven't brought it up, but I'm sure a vast majority of NBA fans want to point out yeah. his uh, not great performance last year in the playoffs, which were. You know, again, the result of many different factors, including the fact that they had. The I don't think anybody that knows the league holds that series against Jimmy Butler. Like, if anybody, like nobody that knows what they're talking about, holds that against Jimmy Butler. So I'm, we heard I'm with comments you. like that. We heard it. comments like that. I, I think it was a question mark, like which version of Jimmy, like you know, that we saw him in the Orlando bubble, he was great, and then we saw him in last year's playoffs, and not so good. Nobody. And a lot of people I, wondered. You're right. We heard it, we heard it from dumb people. Like nobody thought Jimmy <laughs> was going to shoot 19 percent. In this, or whatever it was that he shot against the Bucks, 19, 20%, whatever it was. Like, nobody thought that. Maybe not the bubble version of Jimmy Butler. But I also thought it was interesting when we talk about the bubble version of Jimmy Butler, Jimmy's sort of pushed back on that. And I thought he, yeah, I never really knew why, because it's been brought up a few different times this year. Right. He kind of he finally explained it tonight. He basically said, We got a, a, a point guard in Kyle Lowry, and, and he, he gave a shout out to Gabe Vincent, too. He's like, we ha- I have a point guard on the floor all the time, and I don't think this is anything against Goran Dragic, but Dragic is obviously more of a, a, your your scoring guard, but Kyle right. Lowry is very much your traditional type of get-everybody-involved point guard. And Jimmy basically said, I can go out there and just be a scorer. I don't need to get right. people involved. I don't need to do all right. this. And so it, it's very empowering for Jimmy Butler to play with a guy like Kyle Lowry, and it's so important for those guys to play together, especially down the stretch in, in those lineups that we were talking about earlier. Um, final set of credit cookies here. I'm going to give the last two to Gabe Vincent. Man, what a defensive performance from him. And, yeah, he made some really big buckets. He had a couple falling away threes from the corner. He was three of six overall for 11 points. He was a plus two in the game. But I just thought that his defense on Trey Young was, uh, like, it, it was inspired. Like, it, it, it was inspired. It reminded me of, like, Lou Dort, right? Like, where <laughs> you just have this guy that, like, nobody wants to have defending him. And you get right. to the point in the second half where Trey Young was like, all right, enough with this dude. Enough with him. <laughs> Every time like Gabe Vincent would pick him up at half court, he would motion to somebody, be like, somebody just switch this guy off me. Somebody set right. a screen and get the switch. And Gabe Vincent, for the most part, was like, F your screen. I mean, I ain't switching. And so we would fight over the screen, and he would just be yeah. popping up right in front of Trey Young. And Trey Young would be like, he was visibly frustrated by right. Gabe Vincent. Um at one it point, was, even was, delivering a, a shoulder to Vincent, who kind of yeah. body checked him, and uh, as he was, sco- he was scooting away towards the rim for a fast break opportunity, and Gabe Vincent came out of nowhere, got in front of him, and yeah. <laughs> and Trey Young lowering his shoulder. I'm not sure what it looked like on the replay from the arena, but on TV, it looked like Vincent may have necessarily. Yeah, you know, it didn't look like it was an off. I, I would have left it as a no call or maybe just a jump ball or something like that. I didn't necessarily think it was an offensive foul, but it was the 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 vitriolic response from Young. After right. where he mouths, uh, he mouths some uh, not polite. You're effing words. trash. You're effing trash yeah. to the referee uh, who yeah. gave him the tea, teed yeah. him up for that. Yeah. Uh, deserved it. So. Yep, he deserved it. Uh, that was Gabe Vincent. We know, awesome two way player. Um, yeah. 
really strong defender throughout the regular season, but this was by far, I thought, his best defensive performance. It was, it was, it was, it was chaotic. It, it, it was so disruptive of yeah. what the Hawks wanted to do. Like I said, like the fact that it, that Trey Young had to think about Gabe Vincent every time yeah. he crossed half court. When you talk about what the Heat are doing to win this series and be up 2-0 right now and win um, both games by double digits. Uh, it's because they've taken Trey Young out of rhythm. A lot of reasons that we discussed after Game One for that, um, yeah. but Gabe Vincent was very much the reason for that in Game Two. It, it felt kind of like you know, having seen uh, an incredible performance from him last night in the playoffs. It kind of felt like a very miniature version of Draymond Green when he just goes in there. He just says, "You know what? This is my challenge. I'm going to accept it. I'm yeah. going to lock down whoever it is I'm guarding, and I'm going to provide that emotional spark plug that leads towards so many other yeah. great things happening for this team." That's what it was from well, Vincent. Like, well, well, we know guards can win Defensive Player of the Year now, so maybe ah. that's what's in Gabe Vincent's future. Uh, nice. You had to had, had to dig that in there. That was uh, good times there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, look, I'm sure some other players uh, deserve some credit as well. We'll talk about that in the next segment, as well as some adjustments that Atlanta made in Game 2 and what we might expect from the next game going forward. But before we do that, just a reminder that if you're looking for a go-to snack to help fuel your workouts, to help get you through your day, to help power through that next business meeting, then Built Bar is the solution for you. Like it's tough to stick to any kind of diet or if you're looking to cut something out because uh, you want to be as, you know, just eat as healthily as possible. It's tough to stick to that. But you know what? Built Bar makes it easy. Why? Because you don't have to sacrifice any of the taste of a candy bar but still get all the nutrients that you're looking for out of a protein bar. Every Built Bar is soft, easy to chew, no chalky taste, no aftertaste, covered in 100% chocolate, and so many delicious flavors that you can find, uh, you know, mint, whether you love, you know, chocolate mint or chocolate raspberry, chocolate coconut. Again, so many different flavors to choose from. You can get a mixed box with all of your favorites. Uh, you can try the new Puffs, which are marshmallow, protein-infused marshmallow bars. They're incredible. I'm sure you're going to love those as well. And again, all of them are low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bar with these, and they're even better. You won't miss a beat. But right now, if you go to Built.com, and use the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. But that's only if you go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 so that you can get 15% off your next order of Built Bars. Making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure that you can always reach out to us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show. We want to hear back from all of you and you want to get the best coverage available of your favorite Heat team throughout the playoffs. Then make sure you subscribe to Locked On Heat wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube or on both so that you can get that best coverage available. Uh, before we wrap up today's episode, just want to shout out some other players that I think really stood out. Uh, you know, PJ Tucker again was in foul trouble. Went to the locker room early in the game. We didn't get any kind of explanation as to what it was. I think it was a shoe-related incident. Did we get any clarification as to what it was from PJ Tucker? No, no, no didn't. he didn't talk after the game. Nobody was no, nobody was asked about it. Uh, it, okay. it seemed like a non-issue. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, he did play for. Well, he played sparingly because he was in foul trouble for most of the game. Yeah. He picked up a fifth foul, I think, in the third quarter. It wasn't really a factor after that. Uh, I do want to shout out Max Struess. 
Uh, he had a nice run in the third quarter where he actually had a, a fast break steal uh, that led to a layup. He had a, a couple three-pointers, three of eight shooting from three-point range. Had a really nice game. Uh, contributed nicely on a game where he wasn't necessarily – he wasn't needed as the top scorer or anything like that, but he was a good complementary player with Duncan Robinson not playing much tonight either. He only played – Seven minutes in the game. Yeah, I picked up two fouls, two fouls yeah. in his first seven minutes, and that was it. In a night where you can't afford to give Atlanta easy points, Duncan Robinson, right. we know his history of, of picking up bad fouls, and it was just at yeah. that point that was part of it, but also the fact that Spo turned to Caleb Martin in those smaller lineups yep. uh, that, that just ended up being the eight-man rotation tonight, nine-man yeah, rotation uh, tonight. Dwayne Dedman uh, actually had a pretty solid showing there, providing a nice yeah. boost again. During that third quarter where he was inserted in, in for Bam, uh, you saw him before they went to the small ball lineup. Just in 13 minutes, he was a real spark plug. Not a team high, but three, a plus three seven. offensive, Yeah, three yeah. offensive rebounds for him and so much energy. I mean, he was just having the time yeah. of his life in that third quarter run. Yeah. yeah, one point just after I think he had put back and, and, and one call, he wound up yelling and, and just kind of pumping his fist. We've seen Dwayne do this yeah. a lot. But he had that energy again. For those 13 minutes, they were very impactful minutes. So good to have my, him as a backup option. No Victor Oladipo tonight. Uh, still not an option for Eric Spolstra in this rotation. Right. Uh, but Tyler Hero also bouncing back in his 31 minutes of play. Went 5 of 11 from the floor for 15 minutes. Still doesn't look 100%, but more than willing to take those shots that we've seen Tyler make all year long. And it was a little bit better version of him. I don't think... I didn't see anything particularly regarding Atlanta's defense. I know they're trying to challenge Tyler to some degree. Uh, he only wound up taking eleven shots. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I don't. I think a lot of those shots were makeable. Like in, in terms of what we've seen Tyler do, it's not like it was anything uh, out of the ordinary for what we've seen from Tyler. So I, I don't. No, and, I don't put he, much credit on Atlanta's defense. I don't know. It, it, Atlanta is paying a whole lot of attention to him. Um, yeah. the, that first step that we're used to seeing, the strength that we. Have seen so much this season has been such a story about Tyler's season. Hasn't really been there. So I don't know if it's Atlanta. I'll have to go back and watch it. I have to think the Hawks are doing something in these first couple games. But Tyler did yeah. get stronger as the as the game went on. Had a much better second half than a first half. All his basically all the guys uh, after the game saying like, you know, we hope the next game. Like tonight, it was the Jimmy Butler game. Game one was a Duncan Robinson game. We're really hoping that game three is a Tyler Hero game. Tyler Hero, like his averages against Atlanta in the regular season were really good. So I'm wondering yeah. if the Hawks, like part of their adjustment going into this season, this series was okay. Tyler hero tore us up in the regular season. Let's just not let that happen in the postseason, And instead, like, let's just let, let, let's give Jimmy Butler 45 points. I don't know if that was yeah. the plan, but um, maybe they're keying in on him a little bit more, but it would be, uh, I'll have to look at that in the film and in and, and game three. Yeah. Uh, good point. Uh, from the Hawks side of things, Look, I, I think they got a nice boost from DeLon Wright. It, it feels yeah, like he, was, good. he was out on the floor. He was impactful. Uh, he, he, you know, he played 29 minutes, only scored nine points. But it was just his kind of defensive intensity. He had a couple key rebounds, made a couple nice steals, a couple nice passes. He had two steals, two assists to go I along with See what with you're trying to do, David. What's that? You're recruiting. Oh, am I? I mean, just because his you're brother played the right brother. You're recruiting the right <laughs> brother. He was the only Hawk with a positive plus minus plus yeah. eight when he was on the floor. Um, as far as potential adjustments in game three, we we talked about maybe John Collins starting in game two. 
Yeah, we did, did not talk about. Well, he did not where I thought he was going to play. I mean, again at the five, I thought like yeah. instead of using him as a backup five, make maybe make him the four next. I don't to mind it because Daniel Gallinari, yeah, I stayed in that lineup. He, he scored two Gallinari points. Was in garbage. Yeah, he didn't make a shot, and yeah. I I was like, really? Like that was the move, Nate McMillan? Like you're that beholden the fact that Gallinari is your leading scorer in game one that you won't bench him because that had to be the reason. There's not yeah. another reason for that. And Kugwu was a much better player than Gallinari. Everybody including every Hawks fan and every Heat fan, knows that. I can't um, I can't believe that he went with that lineup. Um, I thought that was a really bad I, – I, I was really confused by that, honestly. And then to have Trey Young guarding Max Struess earlier in the game instead of Kyle yeah. Lowry, I don't know – I don't love that from Atlanta's side. I just I, – I found some of the coaching decisions really head-scratching. I really did. Um, if Bogdanovich doesn't just catch fire and get and just have this impossible shooting performance it could be a blowout, in the fourth yeah. quarter, it would have been a blow. It would have been done. It should have been a blowout. It should have been a blowout. Except Bogdanovich just went unconscious. Um, yeah. But hey, you just wasted the Bogdan your one Bogdanovich game in this series. That ain't happening again, I don't think. So, uh, and we still haven't gotten the Tyler Hero game. We still haven't gotten the Max Drews game. We still haven't gotten the Kyle Lowry game. Still not gotten the Bam Adebayo game. There's a lot yeah. of people. A lot of games left in this series. Um, maybe not a lot of games left. A lot of games that could be. Had? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably just two games left based on how this is going. But um, I, do I like don't know if you're Atlanta what you can do in game three. I don't, Home court, like whatever, like fine, have it. But what you can you know, do from Trae a coaching Young, standpoint. I, yeah, I think I think Young continues to be a problem. Like I, I know he's your best chance at salvaging the series from the Atlanta perspective. But when he's shooting the type of shots that he did, two of ten, it's clear that he's uncomfortable. He's not getting – that switch pocket that we've talked about over the last few episodes. Right. He's not getting that kind of space. Somebody's already hedging up. The second he comes off of that screen, he's making somebody's making sure to get a hand in their face. Like there's very few opportunities for him yeah. to get that open look. I saw a little offensive wrinkle and tell me if it stood out for you, but what I, I, I saw this on a number of occasions where they had somebody they had the ball in Young's hand kind of from the elbow at the top of or, or the uh, beyond the three point line. And then somebody comes up says kind of like a ghost screen or a slip screen and then yeah. kind of dives towards the paint. And then they had a big or even DeLon right in the corner. And then Young would be able to get past that initial defender or they would make a pass to that secondary cutter. And then the guy from the corner would come in from the Ducker spot and get a wide open layup. When Atlanta built their largest lead, it felt like they kept running that play over and over. So I, I wonder if that's something they'll continue to do because there was – a couple of soft spots in the defense there, Miami's defense, especially right. when you know Bam out there. And, and, you know, there was moments there where he was a little pa more passive than usual because he didn't want to pick up an additional foul trouble. He just he looked a little uncomfortable out there. PJ wound up picking a couple of ticky-tack fouls at some point there. It looked yeah. like he was just going to blow up at a referee. Uh, and who knows well, how that should have. Two straight offen offensive fouls on, offen uh, on, on screens that he – like, and the, yeah. that second one was – I didn't love it. Uh, but the point – it was a good point you made about – and that's probably why they started Collins with Gallinari instead of Collins and Okongwu was because what was Trey Young talking about, Nate McLellan talking about after game one? Spacing, right? right? We need to improve the spacing. So put five shooters out there, and that's what they did. Um, and it was a big part of that run that they made in the second half, a big reason why it was close to the first half. They just kept making shots. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I could see them kind of – installing a few plays to sort of leverage that the way that you were talking about. But um, yeah. we just know that this Heat team is too smart for that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, all right, maybe you'll get a few nice shots out of it, but they're going to adjust, right? They're going to make yeah. up for it. They're going to figure it out. Um, just too many guys with, with high basketball IQ on this. Uh, this shouldn't be shocking, the number one seed beating the number eight seed, the way that they right. are. 
this should not be shocking. The Heat are clearly the better team here. Just clearly the better team. I would be – I'm not trying to jinx it. I am so sorry if I do. But I would be surprised (laughs) if the Heat lose a game in this series. Uh, And the point you made on Trey Young was a really good one. Like, whatever. Like, if he he scored 25, way better than he did in game one. Um, But they're not giving him anything easy. They are not giving him anything at all that is easy. And I don't know how, if you're the Hawks, you fix it. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I'm not sure that there's a solution. And Clint Capella will not be there for Game 3 on Friday night. We'll have a recap of that game, even though it's on a Friday night, because we want to make sure that we provide the best coverage possible throughout the playoffs. We'll also be talking to Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks for a special crossover episode, so make sure you stay tuned yep. for that. And again, as I mentioned before, be always good. subscribe to our show on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again for making us your number one listen every day. Make sure to always send us comments or suggestions via email or uh, using the hashtag AskLOHeat on Twitter. Uh, remember, again, every episode free and available wherever you get podcasts, less than 30 minutes to get you the best coverage you're looking for. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, eh?